In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Come on. So I just got back. A couple of us had the privilege of going to, to Nelspreet on Friday. We literally drove all the way to Nelspreet for two sessions. David Hogan was there. We had him on Friday night, Saturday morning, and then we got in the car and drove all the way back to make sure we, we're here for today. Um, and I promise you, I will never be the same again. So I don't know what you're going to get this morning, but I think it's going to be wild. <laughs> I think God wants to pull the clip on the gospel grenade. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is king. I have never seen the power of God like that in my life. I have never seen a man who knows Jesus like he does. And you know what was amazing is I didn't leave that conference going, oh, I want to be like David Hogan. I don't want to be like David Hogan. He's terrifying. <laughs> I, I looked at him and I said, man, I want to know Jesus the way he knows Jesus and greater. This man has raised, in his ministry, they've raised over 500 people from the dead. He personally has raised over 30. That's wild. He shares the story. I'll just share some stories to give you the context. He shares the story of how he started his ministry in Mexico. He gets radically saved. God tells him to go to Mexico. He goes to Mexico, and he's never seen any miracles, any signs or wonders, nothing. But he believes, right? So he, God tells him to go to this little village. So he walks into this village, and the first thing he does, he says, bring me the witch doctors. So they go and collect the witch doctors. They bring the witch doctors, and he looks at them, and he says, you're all cowards, and you can imagine the tension that starts to develop. He says, because you can't raise the dead, you can't heal the sick. Bring me the most sick person in your village and I'll show you Jesus. He's never seen a miracle. <laughs> he's never seen Jesus do anything. And that's how he starts off his introduction into the first village that he's going to reach for Jesus. So they bring this very sick person who said, honestly, you, no one would know what disease that is. It's just, it was like, it was weird, you know prays for the person, and the person gets radically healed, and that's how he goes and, and, and starts ministering the gospel. And, and from then, everywhere that he goes, he just sees Jesus do amazing, wild, crazy things. Um, and to him, it's normal. And what I loved is, is he made the gospel so simple, and I realized that we are playing games, man. We are playing games. We are so concerned about the carpets and the lights and the aircon and whether it's cold or hot or whether we're comfortable and we're missing the point. And here are guys who have laid down everything and they're going into the deepest, darkest places and they are seeing Jesus radically transform lives. You know, I was thinking like, we go and do like even prayer walks. We were in Botswana, we did a prayer walk in, in Mokalodi. David Hogan eats prayer walks for breakfast. <laughs> He's like, honestly, he challenged me on this, man. It's like, if you're gonna go, go. If you're going to reach people, reach people. If, you, if you've got Jesus, give them Jesus. We need to get over ourselves. We really, really do, you know. Oh, I'm not, a, I'm not a, an extrovert. I'm an introvert. No, no, you, you're dead. So you're, if you're an introvert, that died. If you're an extrovert, that died too. So now you're just possessed with love, and love looks like something different in every situation. And so now it's just Jesus, whether that's the whisper and the hug or whether that's the roar of the lion. And again, I'm not against prayer. I love prayer. I was just challenged. I thought, wow. You know, we go into regions and, and yes, we, we pray and whatever. And that's beautiful. But there's something for us to do. There's a mandate. There's a mission. There's people to reach. And it gets me excited. Cool. So I'm going to flip our boat this morning. So if you want to ch uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I don't have any notes. I've just got nine scriptures. <laughs> so I think that's the point. Because here's the thing. The power comes from the word. That's one thing I learned this weekend, man. The power comes from the Word. See, I got Holy Spirit inside of me. And when I take this Word and I put that inside of me, guess what? I become it. Because Holy Spirit transforms me and He makes me become the Word. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Oh, yes. If you haven't found it, give up. You ready for this? Okay. I'm reading out of the ESV. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Okay, let's start that again. Don't just read this. Just look at this for a second and really, really absorb this. Take this in. But you, say you. you. Say me. me. Right. 
You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. If you are looking for your purpose in life, there it is right there. Why do I exist? Why do I wake up every morning? What's my reason for living? I'm a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I was created for God. I wasn't created for myself. Foundation of the gospel, Jesus never said, come to me and I'll make you a little bit better. I'll upgrade your life. I'll make you nice and neat. He said, come and die. Everything that made you who you were before the revelation of Jesus is dead. It's finished. It doesn't have a voice. Don't go and take an echo and make it a voice. It's not speaking. 100%. Come on. Okay. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. What I love there is nowhere in the scripture does it talk about how hard you work to get out of the darkness and into the light. <laughs> I'm building on something, I promise. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Why, why, why is he saying that? Why is he saying abstain from the passions of the flesh? Because you were never created for that in the first place. The passions and the desires and the stuff that we think we have this fight with, you weren't created for, for that from the very beginning. You were created for Him. The desires that you think you were born with, you weren't. God didn't put those inside of you. You learned those. See, we've got to be careful that we don't get so good at talking the talk but miss the power of the gospel. I was just so encouraged this weekend. Here's a man who is so simple and just so, the truth is the truth. There is no, we don't have to wrestle with this thing. Here's, here's the important thing. Don't read this book as suggestive. Sometimes we read the word and, 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 we, and we take truth and we make it suggestive to our lives. Like it's suggesting that that's how we live our lives. Or it's suggesting that if we make this adjustment, it'll be a little bit better for us. That is not the gospel. The truth is the truth. And if you, if you look at your life and you go, man, this truth doesn't really fit into my life, that's because you're living a lie. And if you've been living a lie, it's time to die. It's time to let that thing, put it in the grave where it belongs, leave it and come to truth and say, Jesus, would you transform me? Would you make me like you? This is the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus. And so what I love about that is it's never, ever been about what you do right. And I think we've got to set this as a foundation before I go on because I find we get stuck. We never get to walking in power. We never get to, to actually being sons and daughters in the demonstration of our lives because we are constantly trying to convince ourselves that we are that. Because you look at the way that you live, maybe, and you don't see the, the connection between truth and the, the fruit of your life. And so we get stuck because we're constantly trying to figure out why there's a disconnect and why I'm not seeing the fruit that I claim to believe in. I'm right. Whether I do right or don't do right, I'm right. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm right. Do you know why? I've been given the righteousness of God. It has nothing to do with what I've done, do, or will do in the future. It was given to me as a gift. I have right standing with God no matter what. It's not up for debate, it's not a question, it's not a discussion, it's not something I have to understand or figure out, it's mine. And when I understand that, then I'll actually realize what I was created to be, and then Holy Spirit makes that my reality. If I want to walk in power, I've got to stop trying to make myself something that He's already made me to be. See, this changes the way you spend time with Jesus. Most of us spend most of our time with the Lord trying to actually convince ourselves that He still loves us, that He still wants to use us, and that He's still pleased with us. Right? <laughs> How many of you can relate to that? You spend most of your time with the Lord actually confessing, and you think you're building yourself up in faith, but the reality is you're actually just trying to convince yourself that He's actually still good, that He actually still loves you, and that He actually still wants to use you, and that everything's okay, rather than coming in and just saying, I'm right with God. Lord, what are you saying? What do you want to do? What do you, I, want to, I want to carry your heart. It doesn't really matter what I did five seconds ago. The reality is I'm right with you. 
See, it's that kind of believing that actually brings real transformation. It's that kind of believing that actually transforms your life because suddenly you're not just walking around with the title of son, you actually start to live like a son. Because it only comes through the Holy Spirit, it only comes through Jesus. You okay? It only comes through Jesus. So here's the thing. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, I just got to be in him. What does it look like to be in him? One of the things that I'm loving uh, over the last two days with David Hogan is he, he spent two sessions talking on faithfulness. That's all he spoke about. I'm like, you come all the way to South Africa and you talk on the same passages of scripture, both sessions on faithfulness. And he says that principles and godliness, that's the key to walking in power. How do you get godly principles and, and how, do you, how, how do you become godly? Not in your own efforts. You can't figure this thing out. You surrender. See, what you give your time to is what you prioritize. And so this is the thing that I want to ask you is how much time do you actually give to being with him where he's actually making you like him? It's not a time where there's an agenda where I'm praying certain things and I've got my requests and whatever, but I'm actually just being one with him. I'm actually just allowing the Holy Spirit to become real to me. I'm learning to hear His voice. You see, if you don't know how to hear God's voice, you need to get into the Word. Because when you're in the Word, when you, when you learn to hear His voice in the Word, you'll become familiar with it when it's a whisper. Majority of us, when we hear the whisper of God out here, we're always questioning whether it's God or whether it's me because we don't know His voice in here. See, He's not schizophrenic. His voice doesn't change. So when you learn to hear His voice in the Word... When you learn that actually this is, I don't read my Bible like it's suggesting something to me. This is the voice of God speaking to me. You can open this book any way you want to open it and he's going to say something to you. So when I read it that way, I learn the way that he speaks. I learn how he sounds. I learn how he thinks. I learn his heart. I begin to understand God here. And then when he speaks to me in a whisper in my heart, I recognize that voice. And so now it's a lot easier to be obedient because I actually know him. Majority of Christians don't even read this book aside from a Sunday. Oh man, God wants to flip our boats. Are you, are you okay if we intensify Jesus a little bit this morning? Can we go hard? Can we just go all the way? Let's, let's knock this thing out the park. Hmm. Listen to this, same chapter, verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. That is the most confusing scripture you will read. Live as people who are free, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In fact, live as servants to God. But you just said that I was free. See, we don't understand freedom, man. We have no idea. Because this is the problem. How do you understand freedom if you don't know what you were born for? How can you truly be free if you don't know your reason for existence? See, if you understand that you were never born for yourself, then your freedom is not for you either. If you realize that mercy wakes me up every day, I don't deserve to wake up. I don't, I don't get this right every day. If it was based on trying to get this thing right, I'm finished and claw, honestly, it's over. Take me home. But it wasn't based on that. It's based on His mercy. So it's His mercy that wakes me up every day. Why? Because He wants me to be one with Him. Because as I'm one with Him, I become like Him. So every day, I should be becoming more and more like Jesus. Not just in, in you know, uh, my, my emotions and my feelings and my nature, but in power. See, for 2,000 years, we've been playing catch-up just trying to do the same works that Jesus did. And He said even greater things. And now what we've got is we've got a church that's filling auditoriums with thousands of people worldwide with hardly any power. We've got churches in, in, in Joburg, I mean, within, a, I think it's a 5K radius of this church, 16 other churches, 16. They should be writing about us in the newspapers. They, the news channel should be, should be coming and interviewing us because Joburg North has been flipped upside down because the churches have, have come here and are transforming the community. Believers are raising up. Sons and daughters are coming to life. Why? Because we know who we are. And it, what's beautiful about this is people come to the church, look at the church, and actually say, man, they're not perfect in what they do, but they know that they're right with God because it's His mercy. It's always been His mercy. It's never been about us. It's always been about Him. And then when people come and look at the church, suddenly they realize that they belong. 
Not that they feel judged and they feel, whoa, man, I'm not sure if I belong. I'm not sure if I, I can actually be. It doesn't feel safe. I just feel like everyone's, because we're all looking for everyone else's mistakes to protect ourselves. When the reality is it was never about that. This is a place to be vulnerable, a place to be safe, a place to come and actually say, man, if I'm journeying something, you're the people I want to journey it with. Because I know that when you look at me, you see the gold, not the dirt. Because we've got Jesus lenses now. And so now we've got to start seeing a community of people that come together that are found in Jesus, that are not trying to do the right thing. They're just trying to be with Jesus. They're diligent. They're faithful. They go after Jesus every day. They allow Him to make His home inside of them. He is the only thing they desire. That church begins to truly love. That church begins to see the power of God. And it's real simple, man. If you wake up tomorrow morning and your eyes open, guess why they opened? They opened for him. See, we've got to be careful because we wake up and life just happens, man. Life just happens and you get running and you get going and you get caught up in the day and you've got all this stuff to do and work is hectic and stressful and all this kind of stuff. And you know what's happening is you're deceiving yourself. You're putting value in something that Jesus doesn't put value in. And you stand before Jesus one day and you say, man, I, I worked real hard. I, I did a lot. I tried to do all this kind of stuff, but there's nothing there. It's gone. See, you can work as hard as you want to work and build that self-empire. That thing's coming crashing down and it's promised in the book. And I'm going, why waste your blood, sweat, and tears on something that Jesus puts zero emphasis on? The only reason why he wants you to walk into that workplace every day is because there's people there to reach. Can you imagine businessmen that are raising their co-workers from the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons in the business space? That's the kind of business I want to be a part of. What makes you different? Why are you sitting in this room this morning? Why did you wake up this morning? It's His mercy, man. It's His mercy that wakes us up because He wants us to be like Him on the earth. Cool. Let's go. Let's go to James chapter 1. Are you guys okay? I always say this. Anything that I preach, it's always preaching to me first. This is my life that God's working in, and I believe that it's the same for you. Okay, James chapter 1. Verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Wow. 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Whoa. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I want to read the same scripture to you from the Passion Translation. Listen to this. I'll read from verse 22. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. See, God's writing his story. And you can choose to be a people that sit back and be affected by the story of God. Or you can consecrate yourself and be the pen that he writes it with. That's what you were born for. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the, word, in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. I think we got a lot of Christians right now, specifically in the West, who are really good at listening to sermons. Really, really. We are so good at it, man. Why? Because you're listening to it all the time. YouTube, podcasts, Sunday morning church. We're really good, and, and I'm, I, I believe in that. We've got, to, we've got to keep filling ourselves with truth, but we've got to be careful that we don't get so good at hearing and, and really bad at doing. When was the last time you raised someone from the dead? 
When was the last time you prayed for someone outside of these four walls? When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? When was the last time you told someone they were just amazing? That's not a, an, a heavy thing on us. That's a good question to ask and say, what's the fruit of my life? I've got to go back and make sure that I've actually laid solid foundations where this is all about Jesus. What makes a, an 18-year-old leave their comfortable home in America and go become a missionary in Afghanistan? It doesn't make sense. What makes you leave the comfort of your home and everything that you know to go somewhere that you might not even speak the language, you don't understand the culture, but you're there to get in the dirt with people and love them? What makes young people go to Pine Slope Shopping Center at 11 o'clock at night and sit on the ground in the vomit with a generation that are drunk and have lost themselves? What makes you stop for a lady sitting on the side of the road who's in tears and everyone walks past her? What makes you stop and listen to her story and pray for her and love on her? What makes you see the guy in the mall in the wheelchair and, and not just walk past him but actually pray for him? What is it? It's Jesus. Because you weren't created for yourself. You were created for him. It's Jesus. See, we don't know him, man. We don't know him. Honestly, I've seen a man who knows him. <laughs> he looks very different. I promise you, he, would, he was preaching and he would walk up and look someone in the eyes, just like this. And it's the most, I was sitting like next to the people, that, and it's the most, in, it's just light. It's the most intense gaze I've ever seen in my whole life. And he would look at them and they would just start rattling and shaking their chair and fall to the ground just under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going after that. I'm going after the relationship that he has. Because I don't really care what the expression's going to look like. I don't care whether people drop, shake, get healed, whatever. God, God takes care of that. I want to know God the way he knows God. See, either this thing's real or we're just playing a game. Either this thing is legit. Either actually Jesus wants to come and possess your whole life and transform you inside out and actually use you to change the world, or we're just playing Christianity. Then I'd encourage you, if that's what it is, don't come back. Because I'd rather a church fold and close because we're actually going after something real than put on a show and put on a game and you come here and feel entertained and you feel better about yourself. Man, the Holy Spirit's the comforter because His work is uncomfortable. <laughs> this, is, this is not a space for you to come and feel comfortable. This is a space for you to be transformed so that when we send you out, you actually shine Jesus. See, if you come here and you leave the same, something's wrong. You've got to come here and get built up. You've got to get equipped. You've got to get encouraged so that you can go into the secret place in the week and encounter Jesus there and then suddenly pull the clip on the gospel grenade in your workplace and see Jesus just invade the earth. See, every sphere of influence that you've been placed into, you've been strategically placed there by God because He trusts you to reach those people. Do you know why He trusts you? Because you're definitely not trustworthy. Do you know why He trusts you? Because He trusts Himself. And He's put Himself inside of you, and that's the way that He sees you. you we have to change the way that we see ourselves. We ha that's where freedom is, man. If you're struggling with addiction or with depression or whatever, you're struggling with whatever it is. Do you know where the freedom is? Change the way that you see yourself. It's so simple, man. We've got to be careful that we don't become so intellectual about the gospel that we miss the simplicity of truth. Because Jesus said it's for the kids. The kids can understand it. If they, if they can't understand it, we've overcomplicated the gospel. See yourself the way that God sees you and you'll be free forever. See, because when I look at myself... In the natural, I can, I can get really intimidated and actually go, you know what, I have no right to be standing up here. I should take this microphone away. Someone else should speak. Or I can actually see myself the way God sees me. He says, man, you're a general. I know that in your own capacity you can't do anything. That's why I'm going to use you. So you come here, I'm going to possess you with the fire of the gospel. And then I'm going to light you up so that the whole world can see. I'm going to pour the oil of heaven over you, the petrol of heaven, and then light you up and place you right up there on a pedestal so that everyone can see Jesus. And then guess what? I'm going to take that same oil and fire and I'm going to spread it like wildfire. I have nothing to do with that. I learned something a couple of weeks ago. We had a home group session and 
God just invaded. It was wild. The presence of God was so thick. And we were standing there, Eleanor knows what I'm talking about. It was her first time there. And I stood there, and I knew God wanted to prophesy over these people, and I had nothing, nothing to say. I didn't have any words of knowledge, nothing. But God said to me, open your mouth, and I'll fill it. And so I got everyone quiet, and I went, Eleanor. And I just opened my mouth and said her name, and waiting for the next word to come. And as I opened my mouth... One, two, three, Matt and Zoe got wrecked. People just started, words just started coming, and it was not, I knew. I, as I was saying it, I was going, I have no idea where this is coming from, but it's flowing. Why? Because I've made myself available. I got over myself, and I actually said, Lord, I surrender to you. Come and use me as a mouthpiece. We've got to get over ourselves, man. We've got to actually allow Jesus to use us. See, you can be like that fig tree. You can have a whole lot of really pretty leaves. They look really nice. They look really plush. And then you come up close to that tree and there's no fruit. And so people see you from afar and you seem to have this discussion of Jesus, this discussion of Christianity. You have a lot to say. You have an opinion. Your opinion needs to die. Where did, where did we think we got these rights to have opinions? Last time I checked, it was always about Jesus. Jesus. And it was his opinion that mattered. And that's why he says, I regard no one according to the flesh anymore. Because he doesn't regard me according to the flesh. So how can I have an opinion about the church or about you or about anyone? I wasn't called to have an opinion. See, agenda is the enemy of sonship. You'll never learn what it means to be a son in the house if you have an agenda. There's only one agenda. It's heaven's agenda. Let's go to Titus. Chapter 2. Let's go from verse 11. I'm just reading scriptures. We'll see what Jesus does. God's marvelous grace has manifested. I'm reading this in the Passion Translation. Sorry, guys. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Hmm. For we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sanctified Himself for us that He might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself a people who are His very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in His eyes. See, verse 12 says that this same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. It equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Guess what he's talking about? It's his grace that equips us. It's his grace that makes us godly. It's his grace that makes us pure. It's his grace that actually makes us look like him. Man, this is so easy. That's what I love about the gospel. He's saying it's so simple. He's just saying you, all you do is you just surrender, you die, you lay everything down, you believe, you say yes, and my grace will come and make you like me. And that's not just, it's not just in your personality. It's in the demonstration of the gospel. See, I, I think we've stopped dreaming. I think we've stopped realizing that God wants to use you to do these amazing exploits. That it's not about the guy standing up in the front with the microphone. That you're the one, that, you reach more people than I do. You're seeing more people every day than I see. Let's go to the next chapter, chapter 3. I love this, verse 4. When the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior and His overpowering love suddenly appeared in person as the brightness of a dawning day, He came to save us. Not because of any virtuous deed that we have done, but only because of His extravagant mercy. Oh, He saved us, resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth. We are made completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom He splashed over us richly by Jesus the Messiah, our life giver. So as a gift of His love, and since we are faultless, innocent before His face, we can now become heirs of all things, all because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. Hmm, I'll read it in the ESV. 
When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Oh man, that is swirly. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Cool, this is going to be good. Chapter 2 verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. These are the two verses now, three and four. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Sometimes we should just read the Bible. It's so straightforward. <laughs> Man, the message is just right there. If we just read it as the voice of God, we would actually realize we don't need all this stuff. You don't need all your YouTube sermons that you have to listen to. You just need this book. If you allow the Holy Spirit to radically transform your life, you will never be the same again. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to earn it. I watched a man walk in power. This man doesn't deserve that. You hear the backstory of this guy. It's like, what? It's just scary. But he's standing there and he's seeing the power of God in his everyday life simply because he believes. See, I don't think, I think we've, we've lost what it means to believe. Because you become what you believe. So if you really believe, you'll see the fruit of that in your life. We, we, are, we are so good at coming up with the excuses. We are so good at coming up with reasons as to why things are the way that they are, rather than actually just saying, you know what, the reality is truth is truth. And experience does not change truth. The facts don't change truth. And when truth becomes who I am, you're going to see the expression of that on the earth. That's when I pull the clip on the gospel grenade and Jesus comes out because truth never changes. The storms can come. It doesn't change. In fact, I intensify Jesus in the storm. Hard times come. Testing comes. I intensify Jesus. Isn't it amazing that Jesus in the wilderness, when he's tempted by the devil, 40 days he doesn't eat, and then the devil comes and smacks him with some... All he does is he just hits the self-nature from a whole bunch of different angles. All he's trying to do is actually say, Jesus, why don't you take back control? Why don't you take back control of your life? You know what Jesus responds with? He intensifies the Holy Spirit by actually speaking this thing. And so he begins to speak back with truth. And truth actually becomes the bedrock of who he is. It's the pillar inside of him. It, it makes him who he is. And he, he responds with truth. And then guess what? He comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit and suddenly begins to see signs and wonders flow. We want to jump from salvation to that. And we miss this wilderness period. And I'm not talking about you going to a hard time of testing and whatever. I'm talking about understanding that you have to die to yourself. That you have actually give up control of your life. You have no right. It's not your life. It's his. You were not born for you. You were born for him. And if the church would be filled with people that understood that simple, simple truth, man, the culture we would see in this house. Because I don't love you because of what you've done or what you've said or how you've treated me. I love you because Jesus loves you and I've got his heart. You can spit on me and I will love you the same way. Then we raise up a group of people that are getting trained up and ready to go to the deepest, darkest places, whether that's your workplace, whether that's the clubs down the road, whether that's the nations, you are trained and equipped and ready to go. Not just the two or three people that stand up on the stage, but you. We can do this, man. The church, the church is called to see the gospel advanced in the nations. Like this is not a this is not a club. This is not a feel-good get-together where we give each other some high fives. I'm all for love and happy and all that. Like, yes, joy and all that. But the reality is there's a mandate and a, and a call. Do you know the difference between me and David Hogan? The response. It's the only difference. The only difference between me and David Hogan is that he actually responded. And I just spoke about it for a while. 
And you could be sitting here today and look at me and go, dude, this, I don't know if I want this. I'm very sorry for you. Very sorry for you. Because if you're sitting here today and this doesn't come alive in you, you need to go and find Jesus. You need to go and seek him in the secret place and actually encounter him and actually get to know him. And I think we've got we to gotta stop this nonsense of expecting guys to stand up here with a microphone and make you feel good about yourselves and make you feel comfortable. If you didn't come here for truth, don't come. I love you, man, and that's why we've got to share this kind of truth. I love you. I know what you were born for. I know what I was born for. I, I don't want to sit. We've, we've, for too long, we've had that. We've had, I will just share with you what you're comfortable with. I'll just share a little bit of truth. In fact, as soon as I start to challenge you, I'll just rein it in a little bit just to make sure that I don't freak everyone out. Why? Because I want you to be here next week. I want you to be here next week because you encountered Jesus today and you want more of him. I want you to come here next week because you actually understand that when we get together as sons and daughters, it looks like heaven on earth. Why? Because we're not just getting together with some wound-licking club to lick our wounds and feel better about ourselves. We're coming together because we actually carry heaven. Everywhere I go, every step I take, I take him with me. So when we get together, there's a lot of heaven on earth in this room, which means that the expressions of worship, the supernatural signs, wonders, miracles should be the culture of this house. That's, a, that's church, man. That's real. That's authentic. Some of you are smiling, some of you are growling. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. I just think it's just supposed to challenge you to the core and actually say, man, wake up. What I was going to speak about, actually, it's funny, I started preparing it on Thursday and then we went to Nullsprate and I thought everything changed and then I realized it was actually the same message, just a thousand times more intense after listening to David Hogan. But I was going to speak about wake up, sleeping giant. The church is asleep, but we're a giant. God's called us to do amazing things, amazing exploits. He's called us to see the kingdom advance in your life. You, personally, healing is going to flow from your hands. You know, while we were in Nelspread, we got the news that Liesl from Botswana, her mom died suddenly by choking on melted cheese. She choked on melted cheese, she fell to the ground, and she died. Now, before this weekend, I would have been like, oh, man, that's just terrible. And geez, how could that happen? And, oh, my word, that's just horrific. After this weekend, I'm like, someone, we need the kind of Christians that go there and raise the person from the dead. Same thing with Chris's brother-in-law. That thing gets me. Because either this thing's real or we're playing games. And I'm not saying that if we don't see people raised from the dead that we've missed it or whatever. I'm just saying we've got to have the culture and the heart that's ready to go and do what God told us to do. We've got to be ready. We've got to be willing. You know, we've got to understand that this is war, man. One of the things that I really got from this weekend is David Hogan, you'll love this, he wakes up and he says the first thing he does is he walks out to his patio and he looks out on the horizon and he says he looks and he sees the enemy as far as he can see. Everywhere that he can see, he sees the enemy. And then he says... You should have brought more. I'll tell you why. I'm not ready to do that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, he, why he can say that. Because he lives with Jesus every single day. You look in that man's eyes and he knows Jesus. And so when he stands up and looks out there, I'm convinced. I, I would run. And I want to be that guy. And we need to be that guy. We need to be the crazy wild ones that have that kind of look in our eyes. We need to be the ones that get over ourselves and actually live for Jesus. I want to be the guy that walks up and says, bring me the witch doctors first. We were blown away. We were in the... I'm just sharing stories. Is this okay? I'm just... We were standing there, and, and during the worship, he, like, he worships and whatever, and then he will stop, and he looks around the hall, and he's got this like, crazy look. And you're kind of like worshiping, you open your eyes, and you're like, <laughs> it's like really, really, it's really, really intense, right? And then, like, I don't know what he was doing. And then afterwards, he says, oh, did some of you saw that I was looking around in the room, and we were like, yeah, yeah. He says, I was just looking for the devil. He says, he was in here somewhere, I just needed to get him out. 
See, most of you are like, oh my word, that's so weird or whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. If that offends you, you need to go back. It's real. That's what I loved about it. It's real. It's not a game. It's not, we didn't, man, it was a, I, it challenged me to the core. We're sitting there and there's kids running around and it's loud and the sound is terrible and it's the worst venue and it's, it's just, it was just horrible. And I sat there and I was going like, man, they need to, they should have taken this more seriously. They should have done, and then I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh, wow, there's that religious demon just, and I got set free from that, man. We have got a whole lot of political rubbish that has come into the church, and Jesus is king. He wants to get rid of that nonsense. He wants to be Lord in your life. You know, every time you read this book and you see the word self-control, do you know what the actual Hebrew word is? Lordship. See, self-control to us is that I need to take control of self. That's not what the actual Hebrew word says. It's lordship. It means you surrender to him because he is Lord. What he says goes. Can you imagine what it looks like, what someone looks like who lives in total relationship and, and union and communion with the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine what that person looks like? I can. Jesus. And I want to get as, as close as I can to that. I want to stand before Jesus and actually say, Lord, we flipped things upside down. <laughs> we ran into dark places with the light of the gospel. We ran into the deepest, darkest places. We ran into nations boldly. I, I heard a, a quote um, recently. I can't remember where I heard it, but it said, we keep saying, God, if you give me more power, I'll go. And he says, actually, if you'll go, I'll give you more power. That's the difference, man. We're sitting here and we're saying, Lord, if you'll give me more power, I'll go do all those things that you told me to do. He's saying, go do them and I'll give you the power. We want to know what's going to happen before we go. Lord, I'll go pray for that guy in the mall in the wheelchair. If you promise me that he's going to get out of the chair. <laughs> and God's saying, go. Go and watch what I'll do. One of the stories that also blew me away is he shared, actually, one of the, he brought a team. It's mostly just his family who are as crazy as he is. The one guy gets up and starts sharing about this one dude in their community in Mexico who's blind. And as he starts sharing, he starts crying and David Hogan behind him starts crying because he's the one guy that just hasn't been healed. He's the one guy in their community who they've prayed for a thousand times and his eyes just won't open. And they break, man. I mean, you lose it. David sitting there and he's just, you can see it grates him that this guy's eyes hasn't opened up. But you know what's amazing? That guy's planted like six churches He's a preacher of the gospel, and people look at him and say, how can this guy who's blind do all this stuff and see the sick healed and the dead raised? He's become a testament to the gospel with his blind eyes. And I'm like, man, I don't understand that. I don't understand how guys can have cancer and pray for people with cancer and they get healed, but they still live with cancer. I don't understand it, but guess what? I have a puny, tiny little brain that wasn't created to understand all of this stuff. I was created to know God and make Him known. And I'm pretty sure that He's got this whole thing under control. And He wants to use you to change the world. Last scripture. 2 Timothy 2.21 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready for every good work. That is you. How do you cleanse yourself from all the junk? You submit to Jesus. How do you cleanse yourself from all the rubbish and all the stuff that life throws at you? You surrender. You get in that secret place with the Lord and you say, Jesus, thank you that I'm right with you. I am right with you and I can release faith because when I release faith, grace comes and makes it my reality. It's your mercy. It's your mercy. It's not me. It's your mercy, Lord. It's your mercy that woke me up. It's your mercy that I actually get to talk to people about you. It's your mercy that I get to see the sick healed and the dead raised. It's your mercy. When I was in Mozambique, I prayed for a man who had crippled legs and he couldn't even walk properly. And I remember praying for him and nothing was happening. And I was going, Lord, I, there's 50 people standing around me here waiting for something to happen. And I don't know. I don't know what to do next. I, saw, I literally was going, Lord, mercy. Mercy. Guess what happened? 
God said, stand him up. And I stood that man up. And when he stood, there were muscles in his leg that weren't there when he was sitting down. And we felt those muscles and his eyes just went big and his legs straightened up and the tears started to roll. And I said, let's start to walk. And I'm holding him and we take step, step, step. I've got the video. You want to see it, you come ask me. He was running up and down the street. I didn't do that. That's the mercy of Jesus. Make yourself available. So what am I saying today? I have no idea. No. What am I saying? I'm saying let's not play the game. Let's not tick the boxes and do it all right and neat. And you know what? This preach wasn't even right and neat. I think I broke every rule in the preaching textbook. <laughs> they were in the spit zone. They got splashed a lot. It's Tim's first time here. He's probably not coming back. <laughs> He's wiping the spit off his forehead. No. What I'm saying this morning is let's not play the game. Let's just not play the game. And I can't make that decision for you. You've got to make it for yourself. But Jesus is king. He's Lord of your life. Let him be Lord of your life. Yes, he's your savior, but he's also your Lord. And when he's Lord of your life, watch what he'll do, man. If you wake up every day and you realize, Jesus woke me up to become love. Jesus woke me up to know him and to make him known. It's going to get wild, man. I'm excited to hear the stories and the testimonies. I'm excited because next week you should come with stories. Come with stories. Come with stories about how you stopped for a guy that you thought was blind and wasn't. That happened to me. Still prayed for him and he got wrecked. And I thought he was blind and he wasn't blind. I stopped my car and I chased him down and I said, Sir, I believe Jesus can heal your eyes. And he said, Sorry, and he took his glasses off and I went, but guess what? I said, man, is there something I can pray for? And he said, dude, I lost my job two days ago. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm a mess. And I went, that's why I stopped. Jesus is king. <laughs> it's never been about us, man. It's just never been about us. That's my sister in the back laughing. Are you okay? What I said earlier, the difference between me and a guy like David Hogan is the response to the gospel. It really is about response. And not just a moment of response. It's about diligence. It's about faithfulness. It's about perseverance. It's about every day. He explained something on this weekend. And I'm sharing this because this is where I'm at. He said stuff to me that is, it has changed my life forever. And I wanted to change yours. He said, man, he wakes up every day. And this is how he explained it, the guy's rule. He says, he wakes up and he gets into the secret place of the Lord and he goes up to the, the door of heaven. Hello? Jesus, hello? Lord? And he says, the angel comes and puts his head out the window and goes, Tim again, Lord, he's back. Same, same guy from yesterday. And God's in there and he's busy running the whole universe. But guess what? That's my favorite son. I take interest in him. Come fellowship with me. Every day. Every day. Every single day, God has planned encounters for you, and we miss them because we are so distracted by things that don't matter. We put the emphasis on things that he took the emphasis off. Every day, God has got things that he wants to teach you about. God's got things that he wants to show you. God's got things he wants to do in you and through you. He's got people that he wants to reach through you. Every day. And if you're just aware of that, and if you just actually seek him, and you're diligent, and you're faithful to go after the Lord, he rewards those who diligently seek Him. And what, he's, what, what you and Him do in, in the secret, He's going to show in the open. What He builds inside of you in the secret place, watch how He's going to use it in the public. So if you want this gospel, I don't know what gospel you've believed for a long time. I preached this message before this weekend and then I got to His thing and I was like, I know nothing. I know nothing. And I'm like, I'm ready to go on this adventure and this journey with Jesus and just get absolutely wrecked. So if you want to respond to this, if this is something that you know is beating inside of you and you say, actually, man, I'm ready, I'm in. And I'm not talking about a nice feel-good moment. Don't stand if you don't mean it. 
because it's about response. I'm standing today because I, I, there is nothing else that I, I want to live for. I honestly can't. I love him a lot. I want to see him have his bride. So if you're feeling what I'm feeling this morning, I just want you to stand. Just repeat this after me. Father, we repent for living for ourselves. We repent for having a whole lot to say, but not actually doing much. Father, I thank you that you see us as holy, blameless, above reproach, full of the Holy Spirit. And you have called us to live a life of meaning, of purpose, of power. So Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, would you do what no man can do? Would you radically transform our thinking? Would you radically change our hearts and our lives? Would you put a hunger and a thirst inside of us? We want you, Lord. And I'm not asking for more of you, Lord Jesus. You gave everything. I'm saying, Lord, help us to surrender more. Help us to surrender more to you, Lord. God, teach us how to give everything. And I pray right now for the fire of your Holy Spirit to come and begin to possess every heart, every mind, every life. Right now, in Jesus' name, come and burn up all the things that don't belong in our lives, Lord God. So that the only thing that remains is your fire, Holy Spirit. Would you come and breathe on us right now, Lord? Come and bring the dead things to life where, we've, where our hearts have been dead or stagnant. Or, Lord, come and bring us to life, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we are sons and daughters of Zion. Sons and daughters of God. That is who we are. It doesn't change. It never changes. It does not change. Father, I pray that the reality of that truth would just touch us, Lord, that every day that would be how we live as sons and daughters. So I thank you that it's because of that authority, Lord, that power, that we can do what we're about to do this morning. Thank you, Jesus. If you are sick or you have any form of pain in your body, come to the front. Any form of pain, sickness, disease, doesn't matter what it is.